Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the show. Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harson may be brothers. Please let this be true. Sorry, what? Yeah, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harson have taken their bromance to the next level by revealing there is a chance they are, in fact, brothers. What? I love both of them. I love both. I've, I've been out with Woody a few times. That's never an uninteresting night, let me tell you. The Hollywood stars who are filming Brother and Another Mother for Apple TV Plus have questioned whether they share the same father, the hitman Charles Halson in Greece a few years ago. Oh, Greece gets a mention, Vassos. Yeah, I like it when Greece gets a mention. Of course you do. You claim to be from there. We're sitting around talking about how close we are and our families have kind of told Kelly Reaper's Let's Take Off Camera podcast and my mum is there and she says, Woody, I knew your dad. What? Everyone was aware of the ellipses that my mum left after new. It was a loaded new. We went on to unpack this and what this new meant and did some math and found out that Woody's dad was on furlough at the same time that my mum and dad were in their second divorce. And then it goes on and on and on. And it's really, really interesting. So um, brother from another mother for Apple TV Plus. Is that a drama or is that a, a sort of non-scripted um, factual entertainment show? I don't know what it is. But um, anyway, they're both involved and I, I think they're they're both amazing. Woody Harrelson's so good. He was in something new again recently, and I watched it, and I thought, God, he just gets better and better and better. He was in um, uh, the the crazy show where he's the captain of the ship, the crazy film, uh, Triangle of Sadness, <laughs> which is one of the maddest films you'll ever see. It's the, it's one of those films. In fact, for me, it is the definitive film that makes me feel like many other fil- films make me feel, but it, to the to the most extreme that's ever happened, where you end, the film ends and you, you think, oh, was is this the same film that I started watching? Because it's it ends like in a different world uh, to where it begins. It's so crazy. You think you've watched like three or four films, like Magnolia, which is still, still, still my favourite film of all time, I think. First driverless car approved for British motorways the UK has become the first country in Europe, to approve a hands-free driving car for use on motorways. Ford has been granted permission to launch its Blue Cruise system, which allows hands-off, eyes-on driving on the 2,300-mile motorway network in England, Scotland and Wales. I wonder how Elon will feel about this. He won't be too worried, I want to mention. I mean, they're really good. They're really good. What I are? mean, our Kia doesn't have driverless mode. IKEA? Arkea, Ikea. Um, but oh, if oh you, your Kia yeah. car. But if you... He's an Arkea. All right. Go to Arkea. But if Got a you... cheap Otsog this weekend or what? If you ask it nicely, oh, it will basically drive itself on the motorway, including if you say, right, I'll stay at 70 miles an hour. Yes. And um, and this far away That's... from future cars. and and, and but, but, but it will also... Change lanes for you if you if you just thought oh look that that car's yeah up. it will change lanes for you it would without you you know you're you're meant to have your hands around the steering wheel and it, if you, it will get cross with you if you don't but generally I mean they're so and you you think you you're not going to trust this but then within about five seconds you go oh this is brilliant this is better than so this. much if you said that if what you said that was just wrong 
It's true. No, you know, it doesn't get cross with you if your hand, hands aren't <laughs> around the steering wheel. If your hands aren't on the steering wheel, it will stop giving you ACC. Yes. So, which is not what you said. And um, and also, this story isn't about that. It's but, a, it's, but what it is, is <laughs> what, what I'm accessorising, because many people don't have the Kia EV6. Kia. Kia. <laughs> what I'm telling everyone is it's fine because these cars are brilliant. You may not have a, a Kia. You may have a Sorocco. You want a Sorocco? Uh, Mum does double take after spotting seal pup in potato peelings while prepping lunch. This happens a lot, but this is the best one ever. I thought this was a. I thought this was like the launch of a new David Attenborough show, and there was a picture of a seal pup. I mean, that's that potato is more seal puppy than seal puppies are. It's brilliant. You got to that, check it out. Yeah. We got to put it on mm. our Instagram. Did she eat we? it? Do you think? What? She didn't eat it, did she? Well, but not not before she photographed it and sent it to the world's um, mm. press. But you would, you wouldn't could, you? You couldn't eat it, could you? Yeah. Well, I probably could. Wow, that says a lot about you. It's a potato. World's oldest gorilla. <laughs> it's a potato that looks like a seal pop. Yeah, you're going to just lop its head off. Yep. World's <laughs> oldest gorilla in captivity celebrates her 66th birthday at Berlin Zoo. That's a nice story, mm-hmm. isn't it? That's a nice Would you eat the gorilla as well? You probably yeah. would, wouldn't you? Mm. He's terrible, isn't he? Would you eat your own dogs if you needed to? Well... <laughs> <laughs> was bit... Wasn't a no, was it? No, it All right, was not Britain's no. top choice retirement <laughs> destinations, the top ten retirement destinations, Spain, Australia, Portugal, Thailand, Canada, France, India, New Zealand, Italy and Greece. I mean, lots of people do like to retire. Um, I can't think of anything I would like to do less than that. The, the I, What I like is the six-week um, mini-retirements that people do. So you carry on working, but hopefully, you know, you're, you're in a position, uh, fortunate enough to be in a position where you can do these mini-retirements every year for six months. So what you do is excuse me it's like it's like sometimes um people who buy a motorhome and they spend their life savings on a motorhome and after a couple of weeks thinking oh, we should have just rented one for a fortnight because frankly i'm over it now yeah. is and it's this, that happens a lot in life you know a lot 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 um you know if you can hire it before you buy it you should hire it try before you buy yes that's okay but the thing about try before you buy is um, they'll only give it you for long, usually for long enough till you have tried it and, and you know, you, you've, they've hooked you in, but you haven't got over the having it kind of dopamine mm. hit, the serotonin hit. So you want more of that and you, you, you convince yourself that's the, that's the permanent long term desire, but it's really not. And so you should um, try not. So what they do with these mini retirements is you go and do the thing that you perhaps might convince yourself you do for the rest of your life in retirement for six weeks. And after about three or four, you're thinking, oh, I might even go home early. And then you do the same thing again next year. You know, you open a, um, I don't know, uh, a little coffee cart in uh, at the foothills of a Bavarian mountain range, but only for full five weeks. Mm. You know, you can, they should, somebody should start a company where you can go and do your dream, you know, open your tea room, tea room in Eastbourne for four weeks. You know, and they go. Actually, this is they people are a pain. You know, it's not. It's not how it. I thought it was going to be. I I thought it was going to be lovely. I'm going to have to deal with no because. Oh, this is the best tea I've ever had. The idea. All these ideas, you know, a lot of these ideas, you know, I'd like to open a flower shop or I'd like to buy my own golf course. Or I'd like to buy the pub or whatever these things are. I'd like to be dog walker. That's why that's my one. I would, you know, if, if I gave all this up, I'd either clean boats in a marina mm-hmm. uh, because I love that. And it's really physical and everybody's on boat time. You, no point in having a watch in a marina because, because you know, the ocean, the sea, the water, the boats do what they want to do. Most things on a boat 
In fact, nearly all things on a boat apart from the boat. In fact, no, here we go. All things on a boat apart from the boat are not designed to be on a boat. They're designed to be on things. They're designed mostly to be in houses. And then what they do is they pretend and sort of paint them a different colour or they, they sort of uh, sand off a corner and they go, this is a boat oven. It's not. It's an oven. Uh, this is this is a this is a boat washing machine. It's not. It's a land washing machine. This is a boat person. I know. I'm a land person. That that kind of thing. You know. Um, so boats do what they want. Uh, but what I would do. The minute retirement is where I'd go. But but you know, fill your boots. If you have spent up and moved, relocated to Spain, Australia, Portugal, Thailand, Canada, France, India, New Zealand, Italy, and Greece, then you know you have a great one. As long as you take us with you. Yes, please. Take us with you. Uh, Four-day working week trial to begin in Spain. This is interesting. Very interesting. Really, really interesting, I think. Spanish companies with fewer than 250 workers have one month to apply for a pilot government scheme to reduce their working week to four days with full pay. Noah was talking about this yesterday over tea. He said that there was a poll recently, and it was either regional or national, and he couldn't remember which. And he's decided to let a bit of, you know, a bit of facts slip into his tea time. Chatter. He wants to be careful with that. No, because I, I said, was it regional? He said, actually, it may have been national. Dad may have been regional. Whereas, whereas before he did, just said, no, it was like the whole world did this poll. <laughs> and I, you know, and this is the answer to the poll. And why isn't it on the news? Because it never happened. But, but he's changed that now, which is great. Which is great. And he said there was a recent poll to do with education in the UK somewhere where um, parents and pupils and the teachers, because it had to be a 360 thing, were offered a longer school day in return for a four school day week and apparently really nearly happened but it didn't uh, and why wouldn't it if you think of the way kids can work from home now uh, and people work from home now uh, and also how easier it is to do things now you know especially from a knowledge point of view you know if we if we talk about something on the radio now you can just go, you know you'll google it over there or mira will tell me in my ear a bit more about the information whether it's mary quant or a volcano or or, I don't know, Elon Musk's latest foray into whatever he's up to, um, because it's all there, isn't it? And mostly it's correct. Sometimes it isn't accurate, but mostly it's correct. So why do things that uh, used to take a, a week now still take a week when it's to do with things like that? Well, it's because we've all gone a bit mad in between, isn't it? You know, Have you not found that? I've been talking to this about a few friends and with a few friends and colleagues of mine over the last week, that when, you, when you're dealing with people now... It seems there's a lot of drama that comes with almost every exchange with people. It's like, why? What? What is this here? You know, there's a lot of noise that goes on with people now. We've all become a bit. No, there's a, a Mr. Men character, isn't there? Where the, there's a lot of stuff going on around him. You know, a lot of. I think they represent it with sort of pencil lines. It's a lot of like. It's not. It's the opposite of an aura. It's just a ca chaos. It's animated, and there seems to be a lot of chaos with every transaction you you try to do now. Unless it's with an algorithm. Is it because, yeah. you know, how was how was Elton John on Wednesday? Oh, it's the best thing I've ever seen. You know, yeah. uh, how I'm so, I'm so oh I'm so terrible. I'm you know you, we don't have like in Russia when I lived in Russia and this is they might have changed but when I lived in Russia in the nineties, yes, um, you would come you would come and see someone and ha how are you and we would say I'm really well mm. and they would say I'm normal. Normal in a cocktail. How are things? Normal in a just normal. And maybe we need to be a little bit more Russian, you well, know, a little bit more normal in a, you know, just 
just to sort of just tone things down well, so when things are the minute. greatest concert of ever, 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 ever. Yes? I'm with you all the way, um, yeah. you know, and I, I smell your flavour mm-hmm. of logic here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see you all, let's be a bit more Russian, and I'm going to raise you, but actually we should all be Finnish. Oh. Because there's a great story about two Finnish farmers and they live next door to each other and in the middle of the night, one Finnish farmer knocks on the other Finnish farmer's door and um, and uh, wakes him up out of bed, and the Finnish farmer comes down because they 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 are notoriously undramatic. The Finnish, yeah. and um, uh, the Finnish farmer whose door's been knocked on says, "Hello, um, neighbour farmer from Finland." He says, "Hello, neighbour farmer, fellow neighbour farmer from Finland." He says, "How are you?" And then um, the 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 chap whose door's been knocked on then answers him fully takes about two three minutes and then um because they're polite he returns the 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 question and says and how are you and the other guy says he says well um that and this takes about seven or eight minutes and then uh the guy whose door's been knocked on says um so uh how can i help you at this early hour in the morning he says oh um my farm's on fire (laughs) and i wondered if you could i don't have a telephone and i wonder if you could (laughs) Because that's how undramatic they are. It's like first things first. Yes. How are you? Well, I'm like, I like it. Yeah, and that's 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 mm, yes. Be a it's bit a more Russian bit, yeah. plus plus. Yeah. I mean, how are you normal? You just you just sort of alluded <laughs> to the fact that one of us may have been to watch Elton John in the last seven days, and it's not me. It's not it, it's not me. Uh, it's Vassos. not me. It's let not me. Do, let me do it. It's not me, Vassos. It's not me. No, I'm doing it. Oh, I'm being an, I'm being Anton Deck. Uh, it's not me, uh, Vassos. It's not you. Oh, that Anton Okay. Oh my. As opposed to the other Anton Deck. What is he on about? Sinead, Sinead. It could be you. Oh, it's exciting. Felix. It is you, hey. Felix. Felix has been to see Ellen John. Now, um, let's just. Hi, Felix. Hello. Uh, I said, Felix, come and talk about seeing Ellen John. He said, I could talk for the next three and a half hours about. Elton John, I said, well, you know, um, the show is three and a half hours, but we, we've only got sort of two and a bit hours left. So you can do that if you want to. Let's do it, yeah. Uh, but we need or a Tim, separate podcast, well, maybe. Tim Minchin's got to come. We've got to talk to true. him. We've got to go crazy, serious rocking as well. Got the kitchen disco. Yeah. More more jolly bants from yeah. the team. Yeah. Um, but also, um, I'd like to refer to the fact that you need to be a bit more Russian slash Finnish. Yeah. Because it says here in the cinches of the week that your cinch was get- finally drama already finally <laughs> getting to see elton john after four years of trying to get a ticket so what you could have said see was seeing elton john <laughs> could have yeah word economy because your sense of the better. week yeah, is yeah. The, it's not it's not the final four years and it's not the four years because yeah. you could say if you because you know where that ends up that ends up like this um my sense of the week chris was finally getting to see elton john after being born for 22 years. <laughs> Finally, getting to see Elton John after my mum and dad met, fell in love, got married, had me, and being born for 22 years. Finally, getting to see Elton John um, since the Big Bang happened and music was invented, and Elton John's mum... Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so what? What? let's reframe it. What was your sense of the week? I went to see Elton John. Yes! Cool. How was that? It was normal. That's all we, <laughs> that's all we have time for. <laughs> Sinead has given me permission to fancy a photo. <laughs> Is that right, Sinead? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So Mary point. Quant sadly has passed away, but leaving what a legacy uh, from a true legend behind. And this morning, tributes from the whole of the fashion world. 
Vanguard, um, of which is Twiggy. Sinead's mum was very much a child of the Quant era, and she's just shown me a picture of her mum. Peak, sort of 60s, peak Quant wonder. And, I mean, what a photograph. Stunning, isn't she? It's stunning. She is stunning. Yes. It's stunning. It's, you know, I love the 60s. You know, I was born in the 60s. It's crazy. I can't remember much. can remember a bit, a little bit about hearing things on the radio and things like that. In the 60s, I thought I heard Obla Dee Obla Dar by the Beatles, you know, as a new release on the radio. But I think it was probably Marmalade's version. I don't know. I've not checked the dates out. But um, that is a fantastic picture of your mum. I mean, is it a quant creation that she's wearing? Or I don't suppose it matters, does it? Yeah, but... no, I don't, I don't think it is. But she she used to talk about her all the time. I remember when I was little, her, the name Mary Quant was always being, you know, she'd had the bob and later in life and all that kind of stuff. Um, so she was heavily influenced, but I don't think it was a, a quant creation. Yeah, but I suppose everything, you know, you could say she cast a, a long shadow. It's sort exactly. of, yeah, you don't want to say shadow really, do you? Because that's sort of looming. But, you know, she, she shed a lot of... Um, well, all her, like, creativity yeah. over the whole of the fashion era. It? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that the image, whether it was oh. her mini skirt or not, it was, that was the look, So right? sh- shall we insta that then? Insta yeah. your mum. Do we need her permission or not? She will love it. Where was she when that photograph was taken? So she was travelling around back in the day when you could hitchhike around Europe oh, safely. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Um, and she was getting on a boat. I think that's in Italy. Um, but as you can imagine, she had a lot of admirers. Yeah, you can tell. And um, what's great about it is your mum looks fantastic. The, her dress is amazing. Her haircut is so sharp. She's so sharp. But also the backdrop is some some kind of a marina somewhere. Yeah. And so that just sort of add, yeah. adds to the exotic sort of the, the cool nature yeah. of the... Fr- and it's black and white. She There's something like about star. black and white, isn't there? <laughs> There's just something about... Like, don't get me wrong, I love colour everything, but something like black and white images that are just, I don't know, they're so much more, are they telling? Are they truthful? Are they are they easier on the eye? What is it about black and white images, do you think? I think, well, do you ever find, like, if you take a picture of yourself and you're like, oh, gosh, not that keen, but you put it in black and white and all of a sudden you look slightly better. <laughs> it's true! <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. I've never thought that before. <laughs> Which is the opposite, isn't it? Because if you, what do you do with your screen when you want to become less interested? Oh, you grayscale it. You grayscale it. So it's the opposite because this is if you're addicted to your phone, if you grayscale your interface, apparently it becomes less attractive, less sort of um, amusement uh, machine, uh, fruit machine. Exactly. It works immediately. It's fantastic. In fact, I'm going to do it now. Because I'm, I'm too addicted to my phone. It's in settings. It's quite difficult. Settings, accessibility. Did he just say it's quite difficult? To do? Fine, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I'm not. I don't <laughs> Color filters, grayscale. Then look. At okay. That. Question. Question from the team behind the glass. Was that a pap shot? Which... <laughs> it looks like it. No, it's was... her friend. But it's. But she's moving, isn't she? So she's yes. not posing. So that's why it looks like a pap shot. It looks like um, a Dolce Vita kind of. Have you seen Dolce Vita? Oh, you've got to watch Dolce Vita. It's one of the greatest films ever. Dolce Vita is like is like a moving three hour treat of that one picture. Right. Have you never seen Dr. Vita? I don't think I have, oh, it's, no. it's one of the greatest films ever made. Ever made. Uh, you don't have to have the sound up. Just watch it. It's unbelievable. It's all like that. It's like um, that. Maybe she was in it. She uh, so her mate took it. They were both hitchhiking yeah, so, around. So, yeah, you could... Um, and they went on a boat for a day. And as you got on the boat, like, people were taking... Like, her friends were Who's not going to invite your mum onto the boat looking like that? Do <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. She, she didn't have long waits for, so, for lifts, not, did she? <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
What's the matter, darling? Nothing. I'm just watching you. <laughs> <laughs> no, should I tell you what? My cardigan has just been washed and it smells so nice. So I'm just smelling it. I thought it. you were hiding your face because like, I don't want to be part of this meeting conversation. That's what Rachel does when no. she doesn't want me to go to her. <laughs> it's, it smells delicious. Good. Excellent. There we go. So imagine that. Imagine. What about this? OK, what about this? What about Stig Abel? The most huggable man in the world. Would you agree with that or not? Yes. Okay. Wearing a cardigan that smelled like yours. Oh, stop. Irresistible. The Irre- guy would be irresistible. By the way, Stig Abel joined us, rejoined us yesterday to talk to Ben Elton. And we talked to Ben Elton about the musical We Will Rock You, which is coming back to the Coliseum Theatre booking now at the Coliseum Theatre's website. It's coming back for 13 weeks. Ben wrote it. He's rewritten bits of it, and he's going to be in it for the first time ever. And it's all very, very exciting. I'm going to go back to it. I've been to it before. I love it. 24 Queen songs um, with this uh, story in between. A story that's very prescient when Ben wrote it about future um, ways of listening to music. This is way before any of this was invented. He said, I think there'll be one thing uh, that people go to or maybe a few sources that people go to and all music was sort of... Um, you know, flow out of that like some kind of secret um, kind of uh, source of uh, underground source of, of musical fuel. And of course, he was right with Spotify, uh, with all these different things that are going on. And so writers often see patterns in things and, and say, well, obviously, this is probably going to happen. Even if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because it makes for a great story. And that's that's basically what happens in We Will Rock You. We Will Rock You was panned after its opening night in the UK. The critics t- tried to close it. The fans kept it open. It's now played in 28 countries to 17 million people around the world and is coming back, back, back. And Stig Abel, um, who's written his first book, which was out yesterday, which was called um, Death Under a Little little Sky, sky, uh, which is amazing. We've all read it. It's amazing. It's a great book. It's his debut novel. It's ridiculous. It's like he must have been writing these books since before he was born. It's that good. So he comes on. And he and Ben get involved in a Shakespeare conversation, at which point I do this. Can you describe what I've just done? <laughs> Swung as far away from the microphone as humanly possible. Yeah. I, I'm on a wheelie chair. And I, <laughs> you know, if this wall wasn't here, I would yeah. just wheel myself out of the building. But the thing is, the reason I did it is because it wasn't because I didn't want to get involved in the conversation. It was because I did, but I thought I shouldn't. Because Stig's question to Ben was... Because we were talking about the fact that, you know, the latest news about musicals is the fact that some of them ha- have had to be stopped and cancelled because the audience are singing along to the songs. And I'm thinking, well, that's all right, you know. And then Ben says, it's a much longer conversation, but Ben says, no, it's not all right because if it's a sing-along musical, then that's fine. But if it's a theatrical, musical, uh, dramatic production, then it's really not fine because most of the audience are there to hear the professionals sing and witness the story and be overwhelmed with this escapism, with this wonderful escapism, which is, you know, uh, artistic creativity, genius and performance. And, you know, they've not paid to hear a few drunk people in row three have a go at I will always love you or whatever, you know, because it was a Whitney Houston musical that was in the papers last week. They had to be closed. The police were called in. Mm. Uh, so so, so I, I was thinking that, and then he put me right on that. And he said, you know, at the end of Queen, at the end of Mamma Mia, there is a 20-minute sing-along, and everybody knows that, and that's the deal. That's the deal. And then the, 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 the cast come back on, and they're just on stage, and it's like they're having the same kind of party that you now want to have, and it's all cool. And he's right, and I am definitely wrong. Stig then chimes in, but, Ben, didn't Shakespeare say that 
it was the actor's job because Shakespearean crowds, um, Ben says mythically, uh, Stig would argue um, infamously, were renowned for being riotous and drunk. And Shakespeare said it's the actor's job to regain their interest, to be so good, you quiet them down. And Ben said, well, A, he said, that's uh, probably not true. We don't know that's true. And then B, something else. Um, he said something else, which is really clever. And what I wanted to chime in with, which is why I did that, yeah. was, but Ben, maybe the reason that all Shakespeare's plays were so long was to artistically and performatively beat the audience into submission. <laughs> which I think may I think that would have been a, a, a I think that would have been a valid point to bring up. But I was too scared. Mm. <laughs> I was too scared. I still yeah. think it's valid, but I never if Ben says apparently the day after I came on your show you said this, I'll just I'm just gonna deny that I said any of this. <laughs> I still think it's valid. Why are his plays so long? Seinfeld has the opposite mindset, the opposite philosophy. Seinfeld does one hour. And almost to the second, he does one hour and he's renowned as the greatest comedian the world has ever seen, you know, maybe along with Dave Chappelle, maybe along with a couple of others, but top five, definitely. And a lot of the Dave Chappelle will cite um, Seinfeld as the, as the best comedian in the world um, for so many reasons. He's so crisp. He's so clean. You know, he doesn't uh, swear. He doesn't cuss. You know, it's it's everything is accessible to all audiences that he talks about and he's still amazingly brilliant and unbelievably unbearably funny sometimes and even he will say and has said and this is this is his strategy uh he says i do an hour because the longer you stay out there the more chance you have of the audience winning and in the end if you stay out there for long enough they will win i think shakespeare begs to differ but i'm not going to argue that ben elton or jerry seinfeld mm. Well, the only time we in went... Public. To, yeah. In public. But while they're not here, I'm happy to say, well, this, if they were here, this is what I would say to them. <laughs> but I'm not going to say that to them. The only time Caroline and I went to see Shakespeare in Stratford... Yes. Um, now, Caroline not only went to Oxford to study English, but Caroline was a scholar at Oxford studying English. So mm. this is absolutely her bag, watching Shakespeare in Stratford. Right. And the play was... Troilus and Cressida, which I had never heard of. And at half time, or the interval, <laughs> the interval, <laughs> at the interval, um, just as the whistle went <laughs> and the oranges were brought out, wheeled into the centre of the Two hours into my life, and I'd had another two to go. <laughs> Even Caroline, when I went, Caroline, we could just go and have dinner. Just. <laughs> Just drink. Let's just go and drink. Even <laughs> Caroline said, yep, yeah. <laughs> let's go. Well, so so this sort of bears my, the point yes. out that I will never say in front of Ben, ben yeah. Elton or Jerry Seinfeld. So what the Shakespeare, Shakespearean audiences did was they got drunk and had dinner before mm. they went or during the first half, and that made the second half bearable. Mm. This is Shakespeare when I did too. <laughs> right. Back to football. Man United played against Seville last night at Old Trafford. They scored four goals in the Europa League. Unfortunately, two of them were in their own net in eight minutes. What happened, yeah. Vassos? It, it didn't go. It was really going fine. Yes. It was It was like 84 minutes played. Uh -huh. Manchester United were 2-0 up. First leg of the uh, Europa League quarterfinal. Seville tend to win the Europa League. Uh, they've won it five, six times in the last ten seasons. And you're thinking, well, Manchester United, this is great. And then suddenly they score an own goal. And then they've already used their five substitutes and a player goes off injured. And then it's still 2-1 and it's in now in injury time. And you think, well, they'll take 2-1 now because there are only 10 you know, players on the pitch. And then they score another own goal. I think Harry Maguire scored the second one. And uh, so two, it's 
two all. Were they any good? Because you, you can have an own goal of the month competition, can't you? You can have like the greatest yeah. own goal. Like kind of the thing. original fantasy football used to have, it was back in the day, the EFL now was called the Nationwide League below the Premier League and they would have Nationwide League goal of the month. <laughs> And, like, goal number three was, like, off the striker's knee. The goal number two was an own goal. Yeah, <laughs> and goal but, number one on wasn't that goal. They're still being paid to play football. Yeah. They're pretty cool. We'd all take that, wouldn't we? Of course we would. Uh, or paid to do this, for example. Our favourite three stories in the papers today. Uh, number one is that Woody Harlson and Matthew McConaughey may well be brothers. That is in the papers today, and it has some foundation. What a story. They're making a new Apple TV thing together. Take that, fans are convinced all five members will perform together again soon after a cryptic post that's got to be on the cards hasn't it the least likely to join would be Jason Orange I would imagine I think Robbie could be a shoe in um, by the way Robbie's looking well isn't he see all the pictures of Robbie yesterday yeah. in the papers and um, this is also my favourite story reunited Blink 182 added to Coachella lineup. Coachella has revealed the set times for the upcoming festival which takes place over three days and that's according to Rolling Stone magazine and the fact that I can mention Rolling Stone magazine gets me to the Rolling Stones which means that I can play you the David Bowie clip of David Bowie's impression of Mick Jagger on Parkinson this is unbelievable the Rolling Stones are opening up for him it's the first time they ever saw him and they weren't really very well known. There's about six kids rushed to the front, you know. That was their fan base at the time. Everybody was there for Little Richard. And I think Bo Diddley was on the, on the show and all that. And it was priceless. I'd never seen anything so rebellious in my life. Some guy yells out, Get your hair cut! <laughs> and Mick says, and I'll never forget these words, Well, I look like you. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> That was on Parkinson. That's so good. That is so, so good. good. It's a great impression. It's a great joke. Mm. It's great wit from Mick Jagger. It's all true as well. Oh, wow. And they did they did Dancing in the Streets together, didn't they? That was uh, David Bowie and Mick Jagger. And that was fun. The, the video for that. They're having so... They're having all the fun. Was that for Live Aid? I know that they, they, they sang it in Live Aid, didn't they? They sang it in Philadelphia as part of um, the US yeah. half of Live Aid. Um, right, so April Coachella, um, that got us there, didn't it? Fire Rolling Stone magazine. Blink 182 have been announced now uh, to play Coachella. Uh, one of the greatest festivals I've never been to. Uh, also in April, though, festivals. Liverpool Sound City, Liverpool, 28th to the 30th, showcasing the underground music scene. May, the Great Escape Festival, Brighton. 10th to the 13th of May, showcasing the best new music. Also, uh, my pal Mojo and his mates run the Shindig Festival in Somerset. 25th to the 28th of May, Shindig set in the heart of Somerset at the Dillington Estate in Ilminster. This year's headline acts include Sister Sledge, Dawn Penn, Warmanshire, I think that's how you say it, Errol Alcom, Dave Rodiger, Norman J. MBE, uh, Shuey Morgan, plus comedy from uh, Jonathan Pye and loads of other very, very funny people. It also offers a wide choice of camping, glamping options, luxury rooms in Dillington House, airstreams, bell tents and yurts, plus posh toilets. <laughs> that's a premium. But you pay for them. Of course you will. Uh, this year's dress-up theme is Mad Hatter's tickets available from their website, shindigfestival.co.uk. And the Shindig Festival is a brilliant festival, but it's a festival that is challenged like all many festivals are. There's only like five or six that aren't challenged uh, by, you know, rising costs, uh, the COVID hangover. So do support... Um, your local festivals and this is a cracker shindigfestival.co.uk Bearded Theory Festival in Derbyshire Neighbourhood Weekender Warrington all it says here about this is I love this the Neighbourhood Weekender Warrington 27th and the 28th of May two day indie music festival that's what it says there yeah with pulp headlining we might want to mention that bit as well 
Um, I can't believe that's not sold out. I think it probably is. I'd love to go. I think I might be going to that, actually. Uh, June, Funk and Soul Weekender in Margate. Mighty Hoopla, London, 3rd of June. Trace in the Woods, Derby, 3rd of June. The Cambridge Club Festival, Cambridge, 9th to the 11th of June. Friday, the 28th of April on this show, Freya Ridings is going to be here because we're going to have a little spring push, spring pre-summer push uh, for Carfest. And Freya's playing at Carfest, so we'll have a little Friday Carfest kind of thing going. Carfest.org for tickets there. Uh, Friday, 20th of April. Do follow us on Insta because every day we put out loads of, of Carfest enticing juice. That's the whole point of that. Uh, Monday, 15th of May, Morgan Wade's going to be on the show playing live for us on the Stool of Rock. Um, Friday, 9th of June, McFly are going to be here playing live, also playing at Carfest. Tom Grennan, um, Friday, 16th of June. Friday, 30th of June, uh, we think Texas, penciled. We, that's, that's not a TBC anymore. That's a tick, is it? Okay, so we can take that out. Let's take the red TBC off and put the Texas, um, sorry, sorry, sort of uppercase, uh, fully boldened, emboldened in, um, which is great. I just want to play the David Bowie impression of Mick Jagger one more time. It's so funny, yes. isn't it? The Rolling Stones are opening up for him. It's the first time they ever saw him. And they weren't really very well known. There's about six kids rushed to the front, you know. That was their fan base at the time. Everybody was there for Little Richard. And I think Bo Diddle, he was on the, on the show and all that. And it was priceless. I'd never seen anything so rebellious in my life. Some guy yells out, Get your hair cut! <laughs> and Mick says, and I'll never forget these words, Well, I look like you. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I don't know why, but that put me in mind of this woman yesterday um, that heckled me walking down the street. Well, she wasn't walking down the street. She was walking across a, a crossing, and I was on my bike. Um, and the lights were on red, and it was a pedestrian crossing. And I do, you know, if there's nobody there and I'm on my bike, I, I, do, I do go through a red. I'm sorry, it's not, it's not a car thing. It's a, and there's no people around. You know, there's nothing that can go wrong here. And so I do slip through on a red. And um, she was the last human being that was crossing on um, the green man mm -hmm. sign. So she's walking across, and she can, she can see me out of the corner of her eye. Like, sort of, I put my right foot on the pedal, yeah. ready to push off. And so she gets a startle ready. She readies her startle because she thinks I'm going to go while she's still on the crossing, which I'm not going to do. Mm. Not going to do that. So she get, I can see her get her startle ready, <laughs> right? And I'm, like, I'm not going. I'm not going, you know. And hopefully she can't see me getting me I'm not going ready. Mm. So, But she's fully ready to give me her startle. Like, oh, oh what you doing? What you doing? And you might go through on the red. And... Um, she she then she then crosses and she's on the pavement and then when she's safely on the pavement then I push off and she still has an unused startle which she then deploys <laughs> she deploys it on the pavement and she jumps out of the way of my bike but she's on the pavement now walking in the same direction as I'm cycling and she 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 unleashes the startle yeah right yeah and then she says it's a red yeah <laughs> so I just smile right. And then she says, you should know better at your age. <laughs> I'm like, okay, touche. Yeah. You may have won that one. <laughs> at your age? Mm. No need for that. I've never had that one before. <laughs> you should know better. Pause. Yeah. At your age. Yeah. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Wow, 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 wow. I was tempted to dismount and give her a high five and go, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, okay. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. We love him for his comedy and his films, his telly and his music and his musicals. And now he's back at London's Old Vic with his award-winning musical Groundhog Day. And now he's back at London's Old Vic with his award-winning musical Groundhog Day. And now he's back at London's Old Vic with his award-winning musical Groundhog Day. Not terrible. Not terrible. So please welcome a man to Talented Dimension, Tim Minchin. Yeah, that's good. It was funny. It was funny. But it wasn't brave. Because if it was brave, Andy Kaufman would have been here till Monday. Yeah, and they're still doing it. Yeah? 25 minutes. Okay, Tim, it's great to see you, man. Great to be back. You look amazing. I, I, I know. I, that's my main thing, is how good I look. Oh, pal. That's you look, how I've made my career. Well. You look very well. You look very well. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I feel good. You always do. You always look well. Uh, do you, do you, can, you, can you pull off looking well even when secretly you're not? Uh, well, wait, uh, yeah, um, I think so, yeah. Because I've I only can... ever seen you glowing. <laughs> You're glowing. Do you know I've what I mean? Ever seen Is he you glowing glow. or not? Um, He's glowing. I think I pull yeah. off. I've been in London for a couple of weeks this time round, and I was just saying to Vass, I when I'm here alone without my family, I just go out every night because I just want to see all the plays and see all <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah. shows. So I always wake up feeling a little bit like I need a night off, but by the evening I'm like, I don't need a night off. So I'm feeling a bit dusty. It's so energising, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's so amazing. Tim, Groundhog Day. That was a very funny intro. Was that yours? Was that your idea? Yeah. Yeah, it's really Honestly? strong. Yes. Sure? Yes. Yeah. Okay, you didn't yeah. look it up on, like, didn't chat GPT? Yeah. What's a funny Groundhog Day interview? Yeah. 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 Tim, it's back, it's back. How good was it first time? What have you learned from doing it before? Um, and how do you think it's going to go again? And how the heck do you take something that people love anyway and potentially interrupt it with songs and make them love it more? Yeah, well, lots of questions there. We, we wrote this musical sort of eight years ago and it opened at the Old Vic and... And yeah, I guess people were worried that we were going to sort of damage a, a beautiful thing. But uh, I, and I kind of agree with them. There's lots of people trying to make musicals out of famous films, and I, I don't think that's generally and, and a good idea. And the Great idea. British Bake Off. And yeah. Oh well, that, that's Pippa though. She's a genius. But um, but I I think it's often not a great idea. Except that Groundhog Day, as you know, has these deep, deep foundational ideas underneath it it's really a musical about how you're meant to go through life and yep. be a good person and even things like how do you get out of depression and how, how do you be kind and how do you be present and um, appreciate the life you've got and all these big themes so we always thought it was a good idea it came out and got you know amazing reviews and one best musical at the Olivier's and stuff and then we got to went to Broadway and sort of it was the year after we kind of were committed to Broadway and then we realised it was the year after Hamilton had come out and there was all this sort of backlog of shows who'd been waiting for Hamilton to sort of um, sort of go go by the wayside so anyway it was a ridiculous year on Broadway and we didn't survive because it's a very it's a shark tank over there and then we just thought we'll bring it back to London and then I mean just it's just one of those things and, and you mentioned earlier in your intro of me that I've had things that that hit like Matilda and things that, you know, sort of don't hit so hard, but people love like Upright, like the piano show. And then, and then things like this, which is this jewel of a thing that just has hit 
um, uh, hurdle after hurdle after hurdle, including our beautiful friend, our producer, Andre Tajinsky, who put it together, dying very suddenly a few years ago and then COVID. And so seven years later, it's finally coming back to London. And as you can hear from my voice, I'm absolutely pumped. You can tell. It. It's funny. Yeah. There's a different flow to an interview when people, you know, love what they're talking about. Um, often they love what they're talking about, but they're also quite disturbed by what they're talking about. Yeah, it's not the yeah. case with you oh, no. and this, you know. It gives as much as it as you gave it in the first place. It gives back as much, if not more. So the film is, 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 is you know, it's a feature-length film. It's perfectly formed. Yeah. Um, of course, you don't, you can't double what your, your, your creation in length no. by adding songs. So you have to take bits of that out. Do you simply parachute the songs in saying the same thing, you know, supplanting the, the bit that you I mean, I could deleted? just be so long and boring about this subject. That kind of, I always think the art of making a musical, and, and I'm someone who finds musicals difficult a lot of the time it is a really difficult genre to get right and quite often when it's not got right it's a difficult thing to watch people suddenly breaking into song and and i'm obsessed by the flow from dialogue into song and, and groundhog day whatever else it's not our musical is a, a very unusual example of the integration of dialogue and song so it comes in and out of sung bits and the way it really works is the songs are the soliloquies they're you, you see the action and then you get to hear a bit more about what the character's thinking. Right. And so, no, you can't just add a bunch of songs and double the length of the thing. Instead, it becomes a slightly more conceptual. It's still really funny. I think the, the stage musical is very, very funny in a different way. You can't do Bill Murray, right? It's, it's not trying to be the movie. It's trying to take those ideas and make something else. It's really funny. It really makes people cry. It gets darker than the film. It's quite bleak because of course he does get into this sort of phase where he decides he just wants to get out of the trap the only way he can and um but more than anything it really explores the ideas underneath hopefully without being a bit of um what's the word a bit <laughs> Are you allowed to say that on Virgin Radio? Not um, really. Uh, uh, what's the word? No, you've said it. What's the word? Uh, I've got to, uh, I have to officially apologise for that. Tim's just in for a flow. It's a live spontaneous situation. I don't understand your culture. By the way, if you watch it back on Instagram, it's even worse because you just yeah. the hand gesture as well. Um, it's, it's, it's like you're, you're, you're pushing you're boundaries. Some kind of, um, I don't know, uh, a beautiful profane orchestra. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm no. conducting profanity. Yes. I've always been super edgy Chris you know, <laughs> no, that, I know. it's always a risk getting him on the radio it's never so risk. edgy oh, I love getting uh, him on yeah, the radio yeah but we're very proud of it and and uh, it, it does it's sort of obviously ironic that it's it's really a musical a story about if you had your chance to do it again, what would you improve? Know, and would you just exploit everyone? Would you be a god in your own life? Or would you eventually, as, as Phil does, realise that the only way to happiness is through kindness to others and all that? And, and it, it just feels like a musical for our time and a little bit about trap, so it's got a little shimmer of post-lockdown philosophy in it. Um, but also it's weird for us because we're getting to have another chance to do it again in London and we're just making little tweaks and it's going to be even better than it was seven years ago. It's the whole thing, isn't it, about, you know, transactional. You know, if you live your life sort of transactionally, yeah. then you will end up being unbelievably miserable, miserable. and probably have a nervous breakdown, uh, you know, or worse. Yeah. But it's it's forgivable to a certain point because that's sort of how you're brought up. Yeah, that's what... That's the trap, isn't it? That's right. And... And if you're miserable, it, it's funny. People who are cruel or, or exploitative or transactional in their lives are generally unhappy. And we know that 
in our own lives, right? You, when you're having a good day, you have the capacity for so much more generosity. When you're feeling good about yourself, you can make other people feel good about themselves. So we always have to remember when people are behaving poorly, it's usually because they've got nothing. They're, they're miserable. Because right? they're poorly. Because they're poorly, yeah. Uh, so... I think oh, I just writing Groundhog Day has been profound for me, and I, I'm sort of at that age of life anyway, where you have to learn these lessons. Sold, sold, totally sold. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So want to yeah. come. Yeah. So want to come. Is there a chance of it um, uh, sort of uh, regaining any traction on Broadway again, or once you die on Broadway, you can't really resurrect? Oh, there's no doubt you could do a different production on Broadway. Like that. That's the great thing about musicals and plays is they just live as a text, and someone else can take it. Um, but this is still the original production, somehow still kind of finding its feet. There's a very real chance if it sells like a, I, and I'm not being a, a, an idiot. It's so by the time it closed, <laughs> by the time I almost tried to swear again. Um, I, I'm not being a uh, a uh, idiot, a fool, a, a cat, a cat and a bounder. None of this can be on Instagram. <laughs> um, uh, but last time it was on at the old Vic. Yes. By the time it closed, there were ten thousand people on the waiting list. You know, so there's a chance it could go to the West End after this run and it will definitely go on tour but I don't know Broadway man it's it's not really my sort of it's town. interesting but you say that I know you have sort of PTSD from yeah. North America generally but <laughs> yeah. um, not so much the East Coast we more the, the West Coast uh, yeah I suppose so but you know amazing things happen there as yes, well of course, of course absolutely. they do but the, the thing is you know from a cosmopolitan point of view from a cultural cosmopolitan point yeah. of view London is barely different at all from New York, so it's 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 intriguing for me that some, something smashes. You know, mm. if, if it sort of was a um, you know uh, a minor hit, a critical hit, a commercial yeah. hit, not a critical hit, but this was a, this was a five star all round hit in yeah. in London, but it didn't break New York. I find, and it's not the first time it's happened. It won't be the last, but it's quite extraordinary. In well, a way. It, it is. There's a few things there. One, Matilda did three years or something in New York, and it's in its twelfth year in London. So there is. There is enough of a cultural difference, and not just between Americans and Brits, but between the type of people who go to Broadway. It, it Broadway is a very, it's very shiny. It's very, very fancy. It's sort of fancy, and people come in on buses and they just want to see the hit, and they're more interested in having seen the hit than in ticking the, the box. Yeah, in ticking the box. It's right. sort of like it was always my dream to go see Hamilton, and it should be. I mean, it's an amazing thing, but they kind of get fixated on whatever the hit is, and but. I also think there is more cultural difference. There's certainly more cultural difference. There's a, a bit of difference in what we find funny. And, and that's sort of like Americans don't get irony and all that. I don't think that's true. It's not well, that simple. It's not simple. true at all. They're it's brilliant not, at it. And they can be very, very bleak and get it. Yeah. But there is a sort of, there is a Britishness to my humour, even though I'm an Aussie, it's much more like a British humour. I think we probably don't mind darkness a bit more. But I think the main diff cultural difference is in business, is in the top end of town. There is, and I, American listeners, you'll forgive me, uh, in LA and, and New York, just a ruthlessness in the business where, you know, if it's a competition and if you know a journo and you can plant a rumour, like whatever it takes and win an award by whatever. It, Brit the West End just is a lot more genteel and it's... I, I'm sorry, but I, I I like working in the business over here. I find over there like 
hard. No, but maybe that's just my experience. It is hard and it is your experience. And I think, you know, time is a great healer. And, you know, I, I think that will sort itself out. But then again, what the heck do I know? Yeah. Um, Tim, uh, you are, of course, the son of Northampton as well. Yeah, Northamptonshire. Yeah. Uh, through and through. <laughs> How long were you in Northamptonshire for? Uh, uh, um, you were born fo- there, weren't my, you? Yeah, my folks are Australian. My dad was studying at the Northampton General Hospital. Right. Um, I think my the, I was born in the Barrett Maternity Home in Northampton. But he was there doing his surgery, his fellowship. Right. Um, and by the time I was one, I was back in Perth, West Australia. So I don't have a lot of memories of like going to the pub or anything, but um, <laughs> yeah, I was born in Northampton. <laughs> I didn't have but, any big nights but out. But it's funny though, because honestly, you do have a sort of air of, of Britishness about you. Do you know what I mean? It is so weird because I'm one of four kids. I was the second and I... I was the one born in England, you know, that, and, I'm and sure I'm the one that had that passport. That, and I was the, very fair and a bit ginger, and it, I just felt I wasn't very good in the sun, you know. I, I just felt more British. I always did. And, and yet, by the time I was 18, I'd only ever been once, and I, I didn't see a future for myself. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, but I, it was years before that passport became incredibly handy and we yeah, moved here handy, handy. and now i absolutely feel like this is my home do you actually well it it's split i, yeah, I yeah. mean i live in sydney now i of course you i feel, feel australian i feel sorry home. yes it you feels feel like home, one of my yeah. homes and when i arrive here it gives me a sense of homecoming that's different from all the others um we've only got 10 minutes left most interviews on radio nowadays don't last 10 minutes but for me um, we have you in front of us you're very we, generous we've, no i'm not joking <laughs> we only have 10 minutes left and there's so much to talk to you about um let's talk briefly about you've been here looking at other plays enjoying other people's yeah. doing what you do and, and beyond and and, and uh, the beginnings of what you have done mm-hmm. uh, any recommendations for us Oh, I saw Sylvia at the Old Vic, which is a new musical about the Pankhursts and um, uh, by Zoo Nation and, and um, Kate Prince, and it's absolutely brilliant, but it's closed. I saw Guys and Dolls at the Bridge last night. So there's all these incredible remounts and adaptations. Guys and Dolls at the Bridge is the best production of a musical I think I've ever seen. See, I mean, it's, it's incredible, Apart from it? Groundhog Day. Um, <laughs> People are talking about Oklahoma in the same I, I know, and I haven't way. seen Oklahoma, but exactly. There's this how reimagining. They, What's going on? Tell us how on? they've done that. How have they reimagined well, it? At the For bridge, me, guys and dolls, I'm yawning. I'm um, just yawning. Uh, well, I, I sort of agree. I mean, there's no doubt there's cracking tunes in it. There's actually, if you're being brutal, a couple of weak tunes in it, but there always is in musicals. But the it's in the round. The Half the audience is standing on the ground, and the stage comes out of the floors in different sections. But the music and the mix and the kind of attitude of it and the casting of it, of course, is so much more interesting than it was even 15 years ago. There's just different types of people and different sort of... It just feels so much more vibrant. I saw Tom Basden, you know, the amazing comedian writer, Tom Basden, did an adaptation of um, Accidental Death of an Anarchist at, at, at... at the Lyric and Hammersmith. Unfortunately, that's close as well. That was amazing. I saw um, Streetcar Named Desire, which is absolutely incredible. There's all these new shows coming. I don't know what... I wondered... We were talking about um, post-COVID. Like, Have people just all this creativity bottled up? I don't yeah. know. Listen to me. I'm speaking like I'm on drugs. No, I um, love it's it. coffee. The drug is coffee. Well, the drug is life, man. It's the, the best drug, drug of all. The drug is theatre, man. Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah, it. totally is. So um, is Hamilton the best musical, musical of all time? Or do we... Can you say that about any musical? I, I, I think it's definitely as good a contemporary musical as I've seen. Uh, speaking totally honestly, it, it's the best set of songs. It's an opera, right? So it doesn't 
it doesn't speak it's all yeah the kind of uh, dialogue is replaced by hip-hop his songwriting is incredible his melodies are incredible his lyrics are incredible as a concept album it is unmatched especially if you care about the contemporariness of the language it's pop hip-hop it, it goes on the radio it wins grammys whatever as a piece of theater um you know, I've seen more interesting. It's it's just an incredible experience. Experience, but but I've seen. Much, I mean, Groundhog Day offers up a lot more ideas. And so it depends what you're going for. You know. Yeah, and by the way, go for all of it and go lots it, of times. Exactly, go all, to different stuff all yeah. the time. Yeah. Do you know him? Lin Manuel, yeah, yeah for, for many years. Come yeah. on, tell, tell us about well, him. Well, he's as a guy. Um, he's absolutely beautiful guy. I met him in 2005 when I first started doing comedy in Melbourne. He was in a hip hop um, um, improv troupe, comedy improv troupe called Freestyle Love Supreme, and uh, I met those guys. Then who is who to... is his um, his wingman in that? Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. I don't. Yes. Because he's guy. like a punk guy, yeah. isn't he? Oh no, there's all uh, there's a whole bunch of them that have yeah, gone yeah. on to have interesting careers. I can't remember the other dudes' names, but so I met him a bit then, and then yeah, I got to know him a bit around the time he was making Hamilton, and you know he came to see Groundhog Day on Broadway and laughed and cried, and um, you know he'll tell you. I think this sounds incredibly immodest, but like Matilda put a bit of a bug under him, you know. Like we, there's not that many of us, you know, that are really doing this job i'm talking composer lyricists who are the same person or in the case of bobby and Kristen lopez anderson lopez who wrote um frozen and uh bobby wrote avenue q and um i mean they're absolutely amazing um book of mormon bobby helped help the south wow. park boys um they work together that's quite a big three isn't it oh my god they're, <laughs> they're amazing so bobby and Kristen are husband and wife and they bobby's got his stuff and she's got her stuff but they are they wrote Frozen, right? They're they're okay. They've Avenue got a, they've got a second off home. The chain, man. Yeah, 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 totally. So there's not that many of us, and I, there's no doubt Eddie Perfect, my fellow Australian who wrote Beetlejuice, um, Pasek and Paul who wrote Greatest Showman and Dear Evan Hansen stuff, and we kind of know what each other's doing. I mean, I'm not putting myself in Lin Manuel's echelon, but um, yeah, like we're I think we see each other as contemporaries, even though our bank balances wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, what do they say about wealth? Wealth, um, money uh, represents wealth as a menu represents food. It it only goes a certain. Yeah, well, you, know. uh, you and I have had the experience of being able to learn that lesson firsthand. It's a very hard lesson to hand down because it feels like absolute nonsense yeah. to go. Well, I know what it's like to have some wealth, and it's not all that. And everyone's like, "Yeah, mate." Well, yeah. of course yeah, but you we'd can take it. <laughs> yeah, that's we'd right. Give it and a go. You, would, you would take it, but it, unfortunately, it's one of those lessons like age, like wisdom coming with age. You know, 60, 70 year old people, even people our age, can talk to 20 year old people and with advice. And we just, they're just like, you, you can't get, you, you can't take that advice until you're old enough to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the same with money and, and power. I think and in so. that situation, we always learn more from the people we're talking to by them not taking what we're talking about on. Um, because I think that's where we truly learn, you know, from our children and things like that. Because there's that great phrase in that, you know, uh, the teacher will turn up when the student's ready, but actually it's the student turning up when the teacher's ready. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I like that. Teaching from behind. And what, what I found hard about getting older is you learn all this stuff. Older. And part, We're not old. We're part not old. older. Part of what my nature is as an artist but even just as a personality is I'm sort of quite didactic like I want to express ideas I I want to share ideas and I and in my old comedy days I was quite sort of heavy with my ideas quite um prescriptive and as I've got older I want to teach it's it's in my but but I've had to learn that it's it's not it's exactly what you say Pe people need to be ready or come to you to hear what you have 
to say uh, you can't. You've just got to shut up. And yeah, wait, and also you've got to, to think, come. put yourself in their position. Exactly. And they don't want to hear the old, the old foggy walks in the room. Totally. We're doing it our way, pal. Yeah. Do you know what they, I mean? They need to learn. We all need to learn. And, of course, I'm still learning lessons. The incredible privilege of my job is I get to stick it in my work. And I, I think Groundhog Day, being that it's a, a musical about a life and, and addresses the question, how are we to live? And I keep wanting to say it's funny and fun and silly, but how... It, that's where my ideas are now and in Upright and in Matilda. They're there, so I don't have to be a bore. Well, I, hope, I, I am a bore. No, I you're just... I, just, oh, I just don't <laughs> think so. Uh, Groundhog Day, London's Ovik uh, from Tuesday, 20th of June until Saturday, 12th of August. Book tickets now, ovictheatre.com. Do that. Um, and we're talking this week about life in general, like we do on the show every day, um, but specifically about life in general, about like the reason we're balmy, being a human being, you know, uh, it's it's about anything you want it to be. It's about giving a meaningless, potentially meaningless life meaning. Exactly. You know, um, it's about... Um, uh, waking up in the morning and thinking it's about nothing or it's about everything. It's up to you, isn't it, really? That's the point. Well, that is... You couldn't have done a better job for Groundhog Day because it is about coming to terms with the fact that unless you have a um, strong religious background or whatever, there there is a meaninglessness, a fundament, there is no fundamental meaning to life and and you will die. And once you've come to terms with those two things, you're kind of at rock bottom. There's no meaning, I'm going to die. And that's where Phil gets to. And then he has to build himself <laughs> back creative. up. You have to <laughs> yeah. bring your meaning to it. And that yeah. meaning is generally in other people and in helping them have meaning. It's this kind of weird symbiosis where we can only have meaning if it's it's community based and we're all giving each other meaning by really giving each other stuff by giving each other kindness and helping each other yeah but you can't help yourself help anyone else from nowhere so you have to be somewhere and then therefore you have to be here and there's That's that great, right. there's that great um uh, sort of uh, invisible uh, disparity between the word nowhere and now here. Oh, nice. It's the same thing, isn't it? Well, it's so weird how much you're you're just standing right on the on the sort of scaffold of the themes of our show because he eventually gets to a point. He gets to a point where he's we call it um, philanthropy, but he's like virtuosically philanthropic. He spends his days every minute solving people's problems, and that he's almost at wisdom. He's almost where he needs to be, but there's one other step, and where he actually ends is with a song called "Seeing You," and the lyric just says, "I'm here and I'm fine, and I'm seeing you for the first time." He's accepting that life isn't perfect, but he he has developed the capacity to see in his repeated day to see in what for us is a kind of the daily grind to see the beauty and the stuff that is right in front of him over and over again imagine if you could do that every time you step in the shower actually sit in the joy of there being hot running water every time you have a meal every time your kid wakes up actually sit in the presence of the joy of that we're not going to be able to but there's something in that lesson if you can just feel the beauty of the morning as if it's the first time you've seen it you'd be a very very happy little buddha yeah mindful mind feel yeah and um you know to to be mindful you have to start off with a mind that's empty and try and keep it (laughs) it's so crazy eh i just fill mine with coffee come on right that's it we gotta go that was that was half an hour so uh well done tim minchin such a pleasure uh theater groundhog day london's old vic from tuesday june 20 till saturday 12th of august at least uh book tickets old vic theater.com but you'll have to get behind us in the queue because we're all going that's for sure Uh, Today, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Thanks to Bass, thanks to the team. Thanks for listening. Back Monday, 6:30. Goodbye. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.